This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a good morning, Charlie Dobbin. Good morning, Franklin Proctor. How are you doing there, you scruffy know. face? <laughs> scruffy face, indeed. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really tickled uh, in more I ways bet, than one. Yeah, everybody's tickled. <laughs> For folks who don't have Poor a camera, Shirley. Uh, or at least a monitor at home to see us as we broadcast live from I'm, the uh, I'm looking at you on the camera. In there. Liberty Village. I've got a very furry face right now, all in the aid of Movember, helping out with men's health in every, oh, almost any category you can think of. But uh, I set a goal of $3,000, and gold, darn it, I'm up 2235 so far. Ooh, baby. So very close, very close. Yeah, and still two weeks to go, right? Yeah. It's the entire month. Yeah. You've done well. Well, I, I and I have a number of our listeners to thank for that, too. Yes. So, I, yeah. God bless you. I've, I've sent emails, you know, thanking Everybody. Personally, Big but, virtual hugs all yeah, over the so place. Anyway, if you want to help out, Movember, Canada, just enter the name Frank Proctor with an O-R. P-R-O-C-T-O-R. Right. Did you look? Is there another Frank Proctor with an E-R? No, I don't believe so. Just wonder. I don't believe so. In fact, a friend of mine from the States tried to enter my name, and he put E-R, and he kept, he said, I can't work this thing. Oh, jeez. Don't you love that? Yeah. Anyway. Hey, you know what? We're here in the Garden Show. We are. And uh, let's see. Oh, well, I need phone, phone numbers. You do yeah, have that's a job. most important. Okay. So do your job, and then you can go back and, you know, uh, start chatting with all your fans I and, and all that okay. important stuff. Well, it's so tough. You know, you're so <laughs> popular. Must be. Okay. <laughs> here, here's the uh, long distance line, okay? Toll free. one 866 740-4740, or anywhere in, uh, well, not anywhere. This is the local line now. Oh, God. In this area code. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 416-360-0740. And a little call discussion. Call early. Call often. One question per call. And if you happen to uh, be a first-time caller, please let Carlos, our operator, know. And you're going to hear that just before you get to the airwaves. You get your garden wings. That's actually right? a Salvation Army bell that yeah, Frank it actually has. It is. It's a miniature Salvation yeah. Army bell. It's very sweet. And, yep. and I don't know where you found that, but I boy, have no idea. It's uh, you know pretty precious at this oh, point. You really, bet it is. it's probably irreplaceable. So don't you know? Yeah, I'll don't put know. it down somewhere and have, you know forget <laughs> where you put it because that's like a special bell. Exactly. Hey, uh, well, in this little segment here, maybe we can kick around a few things that you think about this time of year. Well, I mentioned to well, you, yeah, <laughs> you want you want. And what other bad stuff you got going there? <laughs> Nothing bad. Actually, bulbs, I'm proud to say, finished yeah. planting my bulbs. Oh, good. Yep. That, yeah. And so interesting. I think it was probably yeah, about 1,300 bulbs I put in. Yeah. Sounds like a lot, right? But I don't know if it's going to have much impact. I might have a very big property. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what it looks like in the spring. But I'm, st- I'm excited because, well, you know, daffodils, tulips, little frittle areas. We're talking hundreds of bulbs, though. You've uh, well, yeah, 1,300, like crocuses. <laughs> and it's all kind of mass. Yeah. So if there's, like, beneath, um, I have a birch tree that I plant. And it's called a yellow birch is its common name or um, Betula alleganiensis. So it's from eastern part of wow. North America. Um 
I planted 250 yellow crocuses below the yellow birch. So stuff like that. Like it's sort of mass planting. So we'll see how it goes. Okay. And then you're putting some of the stuff online. I mean, now would, would yeah, not, not be there's nothing to take pictures of now, yeah. but yes, I will for sure in the spring. Yeah. And of course, yeah, just follow me on Instagram. That's my social media manager, which is my daughter. Uh, <laughs> she, um, she's very good at, yeah. at, I mean, I can put stuff on Instagram. I'm just not so good with all the hashtags. Yep. I don't know how people, I guess they just keep them, they save them somewhere know. and then they just yeah. copy and paste. I I don't know how they do it. So she's like way better than me at, at putting all the hashtags. And um, yes, uh, also we got our actual lawn mowed, oh. not just with a you know Elliot running around yeah. with a push mower, but with a real like we rented a, cu- a couple of men yeah. and their machines. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Still took them an hour no to mow the lawn, but looks a lot better. Oh boy, I bet. But the best part of the story is that the lawn was so fresh and new and wet and green and yeah. mushy that we had clumps because it's so long. A clumps of green mush everywhere, <laughs> but just you know, coincidentally, my brother and sister-in-law were visiting, and it was like, well, at lunch, I said we have an option: we could go to Sandbanks and go for a walk, or I have enough rakes, so we could go out and rake. <laughs> and they knew, they knew, and they went, "Let's rake!" And I was like, okay. "Really?" Oh god! And then the neighbors were so pissed off. What a surprise! How do you get a team out there? Like, how is that possible? I was like, "Well, you know, timing's everything." <laughs> so we did. We raked the entire oh. lawn, like li- like probably ten wheelbarrows mounded with green mush. No kidding. Lots. Wow. Well, we're getting mounded with coals. I'm looking at our monitor here, and it's full. So we're going to be along in moments to check in with you folks who are checking in with us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie, let's wander over to West Lorne. All right, say hi to oh, yes. Sharon. On we one. haven't heard from Sharon in a long time. Yeah, good, good morning. morning. Hi, Sharon. Good morning. It's a beautiful morning here. I don't know about down there, but there's nice blue sky, no clouds, no wind, no nothing. Not yeah, yet. Looks good. Coming yeah. tomorrow, though. Oh, it was frost wind. on the ground all this morning. Oh, yeah, we I could yep. frost yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what I'm calling for is... Um, um, pruning a potentilla bush. I've got it. It's about, oh, maybe uh, two, two and a half feet tall. Mm -hmm. And I've never pruned it. But this year, and it usually is, I mean, this was a weird year, but um, I I, didn't have many flowers on it and that too. Otherwise, it's, it's usually... You know, quite full of that too, but um, it didn't have many flowers on this year. So I was just wondering when it was good to prune it, either now or is it like the the forsythia that you chop it as soon as the flowers are done or yeah. whatever? Or? So I assume it's a yellow potentilla. It's a yellow, yellow yeah. blooming. So two things I have to say. One is if you didn't get a lot of flowers, <clears throat> make sure it's getting full sun. So minimum- oh, it is. It's right out in the sun. Okay, good. Then uh, one of the things I would do next spring is I would get some homemade compost or some composted manure and do a little top dressing around the plant. Okay. Just just boost that soil a little bit. Not a lot. Potentilla is a shrub that you don't really want to like go out there with miracle grow and make it grow a whole bunch because it, uh-huh. it's kind of a scraggly looking shrub at the best of times, but it's very dependable. It's very drought tolerant. Um, you know, it's very tough and hardy. Mm-hmm. So it's a wonderful plant, you know, 
know, in certain circumstances. But you're right, just like forsythia, flowering shrubs. There's a rule of thumb with all flowering shrubs, which potentilla is, as is forsythia. <clears throat> do your trimming after they bloom. Okay. Now, okay. For, um, potentilla should bloom like mid-spring as opposed to early spring like forsythia. So, you know, May, early June. <laughs> now, what's kind of cool about potentilla, of course, is it will bloom again. It will continue to bloom on and off all summer uh-huh. uh, given the right circumstances. So up to you. I mean, if it's really looking kind of not pretty, like you know, aesthetically not very pleasing, you could give it a pretty hard pruning in the spring Okay. and then allow it to just grow up from there and enjoy the, the first flower of flowers and then after that shear as necessary just take off little bits of dead growth or dead flowers throughout the summer and you'll get more flowers well i've already taken some dead stuff off in that too but i just wondered about cutting it back and whatever whether it would um bush out a little yes it it would hard pruning in the spring and remember you can always take dead wood off any plants at any time of year yes 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 i know that so so i put the compost on after i after i prune it and and work all around the same time exactly like it's one of those times where it's in the spring day and you want to get out in the garden and there's not much to do yet because it's still pretty early then you can do some hard pruning if you wish on the potentilla but for sure give it a top dressing okay fine thank you very much and have a good day and stay healthy and safe thank you you thank you very much good to hear from you and thank you for joining us here on mm-hmm. Zoomer Radio. Uh, next out, oh gosh, hop along to Hamilton, uh, Frankie says. You there. love alliteration. <laughs> yeah, I do. There's Don. Good morning, Don. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Um, I have a climbing rose that uh, it's it's quite old, and it's got some, on the leaves, it has some nasty little brown spots, and on the underside, there's some black uh, quite a few black spots on there as well. Mm-hmm. Any ideas what I should perhaps do with that climbing rose? Well, um, it's not unusual for roses, uh, particularly older varieties of roses, to end up with fungal diseases, including one called black spot. So likely that's what you've got on the leaves. So right. at, at this time of year, of course, the leaves are in the process of dropping off. And what I would do if I were you is I would encourage those leaves to drop off, even if it means putting on some gloves and taking the leaves off. But make sure you collect them and bag them and take them off the property so that those... Okay. Those leaves are not there to produce more spores to reinfect the rose next spring. So right. good garden hygiene is important when it comes to fungal diseases. I would do that for sure. I would do, if you needed to do some pruning this fall because it's overgrown, it's it's a problem plant, meaning that the, the canes are interfering with, you know, a walkway or whatever, do whatever pruning you need to do, but nothing too radical. Next spring, okay. however, it would be a good idea probably to do some, some serious pruning on that plant. And you're going to prune it to open it up. You need some air circulation in there. You need sun penetration. You'll have fewer fewer fungal diseases with, with proper air and sun. And you're going to take away the spindly, weak growth. You're going to take away any uh, canes that are rubbing together so that, you know, you're going to take away anything that's diseased or dead or damaged. So all that will get cleaned up next spring um and depending on where it's located and how big you want it to be um and what it's growing on you'll sort of decide knowing it's going to grow another meter or two next year so bring it down so that when it grows throughout the season you can just enjoy it okay excellent that's great thank you very much i appreciate that thank you very much for calling 
Don't be a stranger. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we're up to our first break in the show. Uh, and as it's we say goodbye second, to Don, isn't it? Uh, we just remind folks that the lines are open. A couple of lines are open mm-hmm. right now. one 866 740 And, uh, of course, locally, 416-360-0740. And when we come back, we'll first deal with a, a wonderful email from Elaine Smith. So, Elaine, if you're listening there, ears up. <laughs> you're coming up next here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Now, before we get to Diane online from Dorchester, let's deal with that email that I was mentioning. Mm. Uh, Elaine let's. Smith. I like this let's. Yeah. She, let uh, us. Well, well, yeah. Well, hi. Jeez, Murphy. I know. Uh, I'm teasing uh, you. It's okay. Get all, all right, defensive all right. on me. <laughs> this note from Elaine. She and her husband, Jim, mm. live in a village southwest of Stratford, Carlingford by name. Mm. And the subject matter is honeysuckle vine. Hi, Charlie. I love your show. Planted a honeysuckle back in 2017. Have never cut it back. There are three stems growing from root. Should I cut stems back and when? Thank you, Elaine. Yeah, thank you, Elaine. Um, and remember, honeysuckle, there's two forms. One is the vine form. The other is the shrub form. So with the vine form, which is what Elaine and Jim have, uh, if you want to do some major pruning, now it's only got three stems, so it sounds like it really does need to be pruned in order to encourage some new fresh growth from the crown, so down at ground level. So now, uh, now in the fall, on a dry day like today, you could prune as much as you want. Even if you just take the tips down on the three stems, you know, a couple inches off, you'll next spring encourage more bushy growth from the base. But you could go further than that. You could take a couple of feet off the top if you want to. But with a with a vine, like a honeysuckle vine, we do often through the season want to just clean it up a bit. So remember, light pruning, shearing, uh, any time of the year is fine with the honeysuckle vine. Just keep it tidy, keep it neat, train it so that it's a beautiful kind of a column that grows up some kind of a trellis of some kind. And honeysuckles, um, many of the hummingbirds love honeysuckle. So it's a, it's a great plant if you've got a good spot for it that uh, you'll get all kinds of birds and butterflies and lo- lots of life yeah. around honeysuckles. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Diane in Dorchester, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Uh, last week, um, Charlie, you uh, were talking about fertilizing maple trees and other trees. <clears throat> Pardon me, I tried to get back through, but everybody is, you're so popular that <laughs> I, I couldn't get back. Such a drag. I, yeah. <laughs> and it, well, that's, that's a compliment. Mm. Anyway, uh, what kind of fertilizer, uh, is it a liquid? Is it, is it a, a stick? What, what no. kind of fertilizer should we... When should we be applying it? You mentioned to Fall. do it now. Now, absolutely. Uh, is that the only time we can do it? Or, and what kind of an application? Like, what are we supposed to be using? Okay. I think I've got 15. We've been here 20 years, and uh, over the years now I have about 15 maple trees, oh, and okay. I want to keep them healthy. Good. Well, I, what, I, what I said last, last week, and, and what I'll reiterate for people that weren't listening last week, is we used to always think that fertilizing in the spring are 
all of our garden plants was optimal. And it, th- there is some truth to that, but more recent research has determined that trees benefit from a fall fertilizing more than a spring fertilizing. Okay. And that's because the soil is warm. The roots, of course, are, you know, huge. We're talking about established trees here, mm-hmm. trees that might have been in the ground for five years or 50 years. So established trees. So those roots are there. The warm soil is there. We get some fertilizer out now. And, and that's not, so what's perfect about now is we've had a hard frost. So we have to have had that hard frost. The tree is not sort of trying to grow a lot. If it was back in September, I would say, no, 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 that's too early. You would be pushing new growth on the tree, which you don't want to do in the fall. But you put the fertilizer down around the roots now. It will absorb some and it will all be there in the spring and it'll be ready to go and right away it'll just go go gangbusters in the spring because of the presence of that fertilizer in the root zone. I'm not a big fan of the spikes. That's an awful lot of concentrated fertilizer in one very small two square inch area. Um, many people love them. They're very convenient. You know, you bang them into the ground based, the number you bang in is based on the size of the trunk of the tree. But I just, I just feel like it's too much fertilizer in a small space and then not a lot of other fertilizer in between. Water soluble is doable, but it's, onerous because it's a lot of mixing up and watering cans and walking around. Uh, I'm a pretty big fan of granular fertilizer. So it would be the form, not an actual you know lawn fertilizer, but it's that form of fertilizer that we put on our lawn. So a pair of gloves and you scatter this fertilizer out on the root zone, so drip line and beyond, uh, beneath the tree based on the square footage or meterage recommended on the box. And you'll find, um, you know, tree, shrub and tree fertilizer in a granular form. You should find it at, at a garden center, at a, you know, Home Depot, whatever, maybe not this time of year so much at the big box stores, but certainly if you have a garden center nearby, um, okay. go Thank and grab Thank you so very that. much for your help. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Okay. Have a good day and stay safe. Yes, you And too. keep going with that beard. Maybe you'll meet uh, uh, Santa Claus crowd there, uh, Frank. <laughs> Very good. Thanks, Diane. Bye-bye. I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, let's see. We've got Hildy online from uh, Toronto. Good morning, Hildy. Hi, Hildy. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Morning. Hi. Let me shut my radio off. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Uh, hi. Hi. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Happy to hear from you or talk to you. Yeah. I have a mysterious little um, bug that has been plaguing me. Oh, mm. I is, wonder if you could help identify is, it and tell is, me what it is. Is this a bug inside or outside? Just a minute here. Okay. Now, what did you ask? Is it a bug inside your house or outside your house? Wow, your volume is so... My volume must have gone down. Oh. I can hardly hear you. I don't know. Uh, yeah, you're kind of fading out, too. Oh, there we go. Oh, you okay now? <laughs> oh, okay, now I'm good, yeah. Okay. My chin touched the wrong button. Oh. <laughs> I'm on a cordless phone. Okay, um, what was your question now? The ins, the bug that's mysterious. Is it inside your house or outside? Yeah, it's houseplant. It's on uh, certain plants, so it's almost a gourmet-type bug. Mm-hmm. He only likes hibiscus, spider plants... And uh, orchids. Okay, and what does it look like? Oh, it's tiny, skinny as a hair, like a black, little black bug. Mm-hmm. Very thin, like a, no thinner than a hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, thinner than a hair. Mm-hmm. It's very slum, slum but uh, it sucks the juice out of the plant. Uh, the hibiscus is really noticeable. On the spider, it's more of a 
sucking the inside and creating like veins or something, you know, like uh, oh, wow. at the edges of the leaf. It's like um, mm-hmm. there's something inside, but they're also, they just move along. They don't fly. They don't jump. I squish them with my finger or I've been spraying them with insecticidal soap and I was hoping just to identify it. Hmm. Well, okay, so if it, <clears throat> I mean, it sounds very, very small when you say like a hair, like thinner like, than a like hair. A period or a comma. I can't even describe it because it's so small. I got my magnifying glass out now to see if I could see anything more. Oh, okay. I can so- too. There's little white spots on the leaves too, which hmm. they're on both sides, but the, the spots go right through. But there's also a white, maybe eggs, I don't know. They must be propagating somehow because Mm. no matter how much I spray, they keep coming back. Are you seeing any evidence of webbing? Like spider webbing, no. No webbing at all. No, just these little white... um, Speckles on the plants, leaves. Yeah. But the insects, when you say like size of here, so they're, I'm just trying to get a sense. So they're black, they're black, they're not black. They're black and white? No. No, they're, they're black. They're black, and, but they're round little creatures, or they're. They're long, no, they're long. They look, oh. like I said, like a, uh, no bigger than a period, but they are lengthy. They're, hmm. they're that, you know. Wow. Small, so, but they're. Uh, need a magnifying lens on your camera and send me a picture. I mean, the one <laughs> thing that looks like a hair that, you know, lit, it's called a wire worm because it looks just like a hair. Right, that sounds it, good. The proper name of that is a nematode. And there are beneficial nematodes and there are problematic nematodes. Typically, though, they live in the soil and they, if they're Bad, ben, ben, uh, bad nematodes, they will chew the roots. So, but you're seeing this up on the leaves. Yeah, this is on both sides of the leaf. Wow. Uh, okay, so that's a, that's a good stumper. Um, I got too stumped. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. I like, I like hard questions. <laughs> um, okay, I guess you're just going to have to leave that with me. And meanwhile, okay. anybody who's listening might have a, an idea that I'm just, not thinking of. So yeah, I've might... never heard of it before, and I've looked at all oh, the books that yeah. I have, too. I mean, got a lot of houseplants. They don't touch the succulents. Right. Mostly I have succulents. They don't touch the really scented things, like my scented geranium mm-hmm. or the plectranthus or, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Yeah, they, so, I mean, when you see that white stippling on the leaves, that is a good indication that this is a sucking insect, meaning yeah, that it, yeah, it does sure, have, yeah. Also, when I haven't sprayed them for a while on the hibiscus, particularly, the leaves went gray. I go, my oh, God, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, oh, this dear. might be, if you've been using the soap and you've been using it as per instructions. Not you, as often as they should, but well, I, I every, keep it. Yeah, just got to keep you know, on top of it. Once a week, maybe. No, but once a week, if, if you spray thoroughly and this is something, see, you got to remember, soap works by coating insects' bodies yeah. and then they can't breathe and then they die. But as you point out, eggs are constantly hatching. So you do have to spray more than once. Uh, you do have to spray thoroughly. So to the dripping point, so I'd be moving the plants into the the bathtub or the shower, spray them in there so you can really do a proper spray. You don't want to be spraying your curtains and walls. And, uh, <laughs> no way. No. no they, they've got a the place in the bathtub. That I have to do it sort of after my shower. Right? Yeah, no, good idea. But, you know, at the end of the day, you may end up not being able to beat the bug and you may need to... Pl- Toss some plants. I hate to say it. Hibiscus is a beautiful orange, orange color. Exactly. I did. I had white. I had white fly on my hibiscus that I could not control. Beautiful apricot colored flowers. Oh yeah. I I, I had to stick it out in the frost and kill the plant and kill the bugs. (laughs) 
I could do that. It's freezing. I know, <laughs> but it unfortunately kills the plant. So yeah, you, you yeah, hate to no, do it with plants you love. So I'll, I'll keep it. I maybe need, just need to be a little more. Um, on the job, you know, twice a week. Yeah, and let me think about this a little more. Like I said, maybe somebody will phone in with some, you know, mm-hmm. wonderful mm-hmm. brainstorm idea. Thanks, Hildy. Keep listening, Hildy. Hey, we'll do our best. Yeah. <laughs> All right, oh, boy. Thanks. Oh, my. The problems, huh? The, I know. Hmm. Well, Charlie tries to solve them all here on the Garden Show. My job. Uh, we're going to take just a little uh, uh, veer uh, uh, to a direction here, um, to an email from Alice McKinnon. Has a great uh, letter of, all about rhubarb. A little bit late to deal with that, but the main question for today is from Alice. Uh, I have dug up a tomato plant, and it had blooms that are now tomatoes. Will they turn red in the house, and what should I do differently in the house as in the garden? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, Alice. This is an email from, well, a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yep. So we're kind of catching up. She starts her email by supporting some advice I had given to a caller about rhubarb that wasn't doing much. And she just comments that rhubarb is so tough, you really can't kill it. And the the uh, listener or the, the caller that day should just stay calm, likely mm-hmm. it'll all show up again next spring, no problem. But yeah, um, Alice sent a photograph, you probably didn't see it, of, she did a really nice job. She dug up her tomato plant, potted it up in a pot, brought it in her house. It looks great. Lots of little green tomatoes, shiny little green tomatoes all over it. And this, again, is three weeks ago. So, full sun. That's your biggest challenge at this time of year. Days are shorter. Light is not nearly as intense, obviously, in, in November as it is back in July. So, you may need to supplement. If you want to keep that tomato alive and producing, which you can do. I mean, the commercial tomato growers grow tomatoes year-round in greenhouses, but you do need that supplemental lighting or a southern window that's completely exposed with no shears or anything on it, and this plant is getting as much light as possible. Um, water only as necessary. Uh, and depending on what the plant is looking like. I mean, if it's growing actively, and yes, those tomatoes will turn red eventually, uh, again, it's going to be a light thing. So mm-hmm. you might just get yourself a little grow light, something that you can hang or stand or or um, put close to the tomato plant if you're finding that everything's just kind of sitting there not doing much. Only water as necessary. Feel the soil. It's easy to overwater at this time of year because we think... Well, I normally water every week on Sundays, but we shouldn't you know, ever water by the calendar. We water by how the soil feels. Right, you are. Okay, uh, off to, uh, well, let me just, just around the corner here in Toronto, Pat on the line. Good morning, Pat. Hi, good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Um, in the summer, I put wood, uh, black wood chips on my garden. Mm-hmm. It's a flower garden. And I'm just wondering... Do I can I compost over those chips? Like put compost on over, on top of them, or what do I do with them? So some of your homemade compost, you mean? Yeah. Okay, of course you can, but you paid a lot of money for those black chips, right. and putting the compost on top is going to speed up the decomposition of the chips because the mm-hmm. compost is full of life. Lots of biology, lots of microorganisms in that compost, which is great. I'm a big fan of uh, always, always adding organic and, and living organic material to our gardens. If you have the patience and the time, I'd get out a rake. I would rake the chips back to the edges pop in my compost, and then put the chips back on top. It, they're still going to decompose. That's what happens. Um, okay. So the option two is just get the compost out, get it on the garden. Don't worry about anything. Next spring or early summer, invest in more compost. 
Or sorry, more uh, chips. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of doing, just putting the compost mm-hmm. on and then... When if I want more chips, put them on mm, in the summer. And exactly. It, but the chips will decompose, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to disappear, okay, okay. and they're going to disappear That's, faster. I just wasn't sure, because yeah. this is the first time I'd use them, mm-hmm. and I just wasn't sure just what procedure to use. Yeah, and they look nice, right? They they make the garden look very professional, the mulch. Mm-hmm. Well, I did it to um, just keep the moisture in, because mm-hmm. it was going to be a hot summer. That's It was. So it was a good idea. Yeah, yeah very good. Mm-hmm. So do the same thing again next year. I mean, that yeah, that's the easiest thing, is just get, get the compost out there, and get new mulch next year. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks thank for going. All right. Okay. Uh, oh, um, uh, we have a couple of lines open right now. So, uh, best to give a call if you can, anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. And if you're in the Toronto area, 416-360-0740. A note from Karen Johnson in Waterloo. Dear Charlie, I was given this passion flower for my birthday in July. It hung outside until early October. Before I brought it in, I sprayed it with Safer's insecticide that now hangs in the south window in our family room. The third photo which you sent along, which I took this morning, shows one of the last blooms of the season. How do I overwinter this lovely plant? Thank you for your advice, Karen Johnson, Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Beautiful plants. Mm-hmm. So the, the nice thing about passion flower or passiflora is what it's properly called, is you have two options. One is you can treat it as a as a happening kind of an indoor plant. So from outside to inside, sunny window, water as necessary, expect more blooms and more growth over the winter. But again, southern or western window, lots of light. If you don't have the space <clears throat> or the window or, you know, the willingness to have this plant in your, because it's quite a large hanging basket she's got there. So again, you might, you would do some trimming back to bring it in. Um, if you have a cool, dark, dry location, basement, uh, you can put that plant into dormancy, semi-dormancy really, by just taking it green and lush and all that from outside down into the cool, dark, dry. Obviously, the leaves are going to turn yellow and drop off in the dark. So you're going to be cleaning that up for a couple of weeks. And you are going to check the soil. You will need to water and eh, maybe once a month a little bit to keep the plant alive. But it will not grow down there. It'll just go to sleep. And then once we're, you know, spring starts rolling around, the days start getting longer, and you want to bring it up into the light, either up into your living room or outside once we're frost-free, it'll wake back up as soon as you give it some light. And at that point, of course, you'll be giving it more water. Very good. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, We're going to take a little break right here and then come back to say hi to Joan in Stony Creek. It's all happening on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, the uh, beautiful day just outside our window here in Liberty Village. Thanks for joining us. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, and we're going to take a trip in the QEW. Get over there to Stony Creek. Good morning, Joan. Welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Morning. Um, Yes, um, I had my backyard redone this year. And um, I dug up most of my plants and put them in pots. But I have a hibiscus plant, mm-hmm. and it was uh, dormant when they did everything, and they dug all the um, soil up in piles. And but then they didn't really um, do the uh, raised um, beds mm-hmm. until late in the 
um, summer when the hibiscus plant was um, in full bloom in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I raised the evergreens in that and put um, soil underneath. So, mm-hmm. But the hibiscus plant I couldn't because it was too big. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's um, died off again. Mm-hmm. I've cut it down, but should I raise it now or leave it till the spring because it's little bit? It's about 8 inches, 10 inches lower than the rest right. of the garden. How, okay, and so it's ch- kind of tight um, in the corner mm-hmm. by the stone wall. Okay, so um, just to be clear for any of our other listeners, you refer to this plant as a hibiscus, It's com- which is the correct, actually, name, but it's commonly known as a Rose of Sharon. So it's a flowering, hardy. Oh, but it's, not, it's, hardy. it's kind of got the big... It's, right. it, I bought it as a hibiscus. Oh, it's perennial hibiscus. It's, yes. Oh, so it's disappeared right now. There's nothing above ground? No, well, no, because I cut I cut it down mm-hmm. because it died off. Right. So, but this is a plant that grows up from the root every spring. Yes. Oh, you know what? Perfect. Um, what I would do, yeah, you didn't want to move it when it was blooming. I, I hear you. How long has it been there? About four or five years. So, you know what? If it was me, I would move. The, I would move it now. Move it now. Uh, if you can, I mean, I just, like I just today. want to lift it and put soil underneath. Well, exactly. So but, uh, I didn't know if it would be better to leave it till the spring or do it now. Okay. So the problem with waiting for the spring is two things. <clears throat> one is that plant is one of the slowest plants to wake up in the spring, so you're yes. going to have a hard time finding it because it's just you know where did do, it go? I can, do, I can see it all the time because yeah. there are little. Um, stumps like right and you can put little stakes around it too just to know that yeah. but the thing is is that in the spring we always like we're so jazzed up about gardening in the spring right we're so excited to see growth yeah. and flowers and color and birds but the the soil in the spring is just recently thawed or thawing so it's yeah. very cold and it's not a happy place for the plants until it warms up so okay. depending on what kind of spring we have Many plants will stay dormant longer than we expect and, and just sit there and wait and wait and wait, which is why that perennial hibiscus does what it does. By lifting it now, yeah. you, the soil is still warm. We, we're not near frozen soil yet. Lifting it now, getting that eight or 10 inches of fresh, good quality, you know, high in organic matter material under the plant, back in the ground, firm it all in, little stakes all around it so you know where it is and let it be. You will, you will be amazed that Roots will grow, even though it's one degree outside, down a foot underground, it's quite a bit warmer and the roots will grow. And that's what you want. You want that plant to reestablish itself as soon as possible. The only thing that can happen in late fall planting in our gardens is that if we get a big, some big frosts and we get heaving because the water in the soil um, when it freezes, of course, it expands. So a plant that isn't well rooted will sometimes get popped up onto the surface, like right out of the ground. Okay. So just keep an eye, you know, if, if, before the snow falls, keep an eye, make sure it's still where you left it. If it does, for some reason, start to move upwards, just push it back down and it'll be fine. Okay. All okay. right. Thank you very much. You're Thank you, Joe. Yeah, you're you welcome. Uh, and, and something to keep in mind, my friends, is uh, when you're listening to the show and think, oh gosh, all these instructions Charlie's giving, what do I do to remember? You don't have to. You can always go to uh, zoomerradio.ca and check out our podcasts and then, you know, give a couple of days 
Pence before the... Yeah, it's actually going up on Monday or Tuesday at is the latest that right? now. Is, yeah. That's excellent then. Mm-hmm. You can check back and li- re-listen to the, mm-hmm. sh- the show and get your, all your instructions at your leisure. And we're on iTunes yeah. as well. We are that cool. We're on iTunes. And um, and then, of course, if you prefer to listen live right. on the streaming, you'll get all the animation as well. You got it. <laughs> because uh, we're on camera, too. <laughs> we're going to go to Barb in Aden in just a moment. We have to take our next break right here. And we'll be right back. Charlie Dobbin on The Garden Show. This is Zoomer Radio Toronto. CFZM FM and CFZM AM. Owned and operated by MZ Media Incorporated. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Indeed it is, and there is Barb in Aiden. Good morning, Barb. Oh, hi, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Um, I was just wondering, I'm having... Oh, are you there? Yeah, we're here. Oh, okay. Um, Yes, I was just having trouble with a a peace lily. It doesn't seem to be doing much. I don't know if I should be giving it some fertilizer and what kind, if I should give it fertilizer or more light or... So when you say not doing much, it's a green plant, but you're just not getting many flowers or... Uh, No, it it hasn't flowered for about um, almost a year now and... It used to be quite high, and, and now it's just sort of, you know, an inch or two high. Oh, oh goodness. Um, all right, and did you move it from where it would no. have been? No, it's in a it's in a, a west window. Like, should they be getting more light? No, that's no because peace lily is very amenable to fairly low light or bright light, and they'll usually flower a little more in a little more light. But you can put them in a dark corner and and. They'll, they won't thrive, but they'll certainly survive. Uh-huh. Um, all right, so what could be going on there? How often are you watering that plant? Oh, probably about once a week, but I'm noticing like that there'll be water sitting in, in the container that I have it in. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I emptied that out so mm-hmm. it doesn't get waterlogged, mm-hmm. but... Um, uh, maybe I'm letting it, giving it too much water? Maybe. I mean, <clears throat> the rule of thumb with, with watering indoor plants to make sure they're thoroughly watered is do what you're doing. Lots of water, let it drain through, let it collect in the saucer below, but only let it sit there for eh, 20 minutes, half an hour at the most. Oh. After that, then you have to dump whatever in the saucer. So uh-huh. the, the water will move up through the drainage holes, um, quite magically. It'll go against gravity. It'll go up. But, uh, um, the after about half an hour, we assume the soil is saturated, and now we are in a waterlogged situation. So eliminate the water, and then don't water it again. What I do with peace lily is I, when it's a happy plant, it's fairly deep green. Sometimes it's a bit shiny. The leaves have you know pretty glossy look to them. Uh-huh. When they need water, however, the green, the bright green or the sort of healthy green fades away, and it gets a bit of a gray green look. The plants um, will lose their glossiness and eventually the leaves will go limp and that tells you it's time to water so depending on what size pot it's in and the temperature and all that important stuff you might be better watering every two or three weeks you know and you you do want to be careful at this time of year we don't it's very easy to overwater plants in the winter they're just not using the water uh, as they did in the summer and don't worry about lack of flowers right now we'll get into fertilizing and regular fertilizing our indoor plants but not 
not till February or March. So for now, just let it be and be very careful to not overwater. Okay. So then in the spring, what what kind of fertilizer? You said in the spring to yeah, fertilize? Yeah, February, March, you'll start a, a, a very regular schedule, whether every two weeks or every four weeks, you'll start fertilizing your indoor plants like your peace lily. And you can use an all-purpose fertilizer, a, you know, a 10-10-10 kind of all-purpose, or you could go with a flowering plant fertilizer. So oh, okay. So it'll be one or the other. Okay. Okay. All righty. Thank you, Barbara. We're we're kind of exceeding our one question per call here, (laughs) so we have to move along. Thanks Uh, for calling. Thank you very much, Barbara. Uh, Gloria, online from Scarborough. Good morning, uh, Gloria. Oh, good morning, uh, Charlie and Frank. Glad to hear your voices again. I couldn't get in touch with you because I only can talk to you by phone. (laughs) Oh, because you don't have a computer? I don't have a computer. All right. Well, thank you for calling. <laughs> yeah, but my question is, I ha- I just brought my dahlias in about mm-hmm. a week ago, mm-hmm. and I have quite a few of them. What is the, the, the right way to store them over winter? Okay, so unlike most of our overwintered, stored, um, tender bulbs and rhizomes, dahlias need some moisture. Not oh, wet. Do. Right now they're very dry. They're in mm. my basement. Right. Were they in pots or were they in the ground? They were in the ground. Okay, so you dug them all up, you trimmed away all the foliage, you cleaned up most of the, the soil and the excess roots, and they're, <clears throat> what, sitting in a cardboard box in the basement? or? Uh, yes, right now. And I was told to wash them off. My neighbor says, you have to wash them off. I says, mm, mm. I, I'm not sure, so no. I'm so happy I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand why your neighbor would say that, just because that way, for sure, you're not bringing in any of the life that's in the soil out in your garden. But you know what? I would never wash dahlias. Let, oh, you know, oh, cl- oh. just with your hands, gently rub away any of the soil that came in with them because it'll be all very dry right now. Right. But what you'll need to do is you'll need to go to like a Canadian Tire or whatever, get yourself a big Rubbermaid plastic box. You're going to fill that with either peat moss or brand new unopened uh, soilless potting mix. So you're going to buy a, a bag of something when you're there. A bag it, of uh, what? What's like it? a potting soil? Uh, some not a soil from the garden, but a bagged soil. Potting soil. Yes. Okay. And you're going to put that into your Rubbermaid container. You're going Uh to moisten it, not so it's soggy, but just so that it's moist. Mm -hmm. You're going to put all your dahlia tubers into that same box with all that moist, soilless mix. Mm -hmm. Cover the tubers up, put the lid on, and leave it in the dark. Cover. So they... You have to cover because I have to cut off this the uh, the, the middle stalk. Yep. I was told that you're supposed to cut out the mother, but this is uh, um, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, no, you can do whatever modifications in the spring when you're replanting. For now, I would store them as is and don't do a lot of pruning or wounding or I mean, mm-hmm. definitely take off the foliage that or any of the the stems are still attached and excess roots, but no other cutting. And should I keep the soil? I don't have to touch the soil to keep it moist. It will stay moist in that uh, container? Well, you are going to check. You're going to put it on your calendar. Every three weeks, you're going to go down to the basement, open the container, feel the soil, check the tubers. If the soil, if it's too wet, they'll rot. If it's too dry, they'll shrivel up. Okay, okay, Gloria, oh. we have to uh, try and squeeze in one last call. Poor Susan on the line yeah. here waiting patiently <laughs> in Burlington. Quickly, if we can, uh, Susan, what, what do you have for us? Hi. Hi there. I have a question about agapanthus. Mm-hmm. I discovered them in New Zealand a few years ago, and then luckily in 
found them here, and I have a number, and I want to know how I can overwinter them. Have you kept them over the winter before? Uh, I have had one or two survive. Okay. So, I mean, what you need... Optimally, what you want is a cool basement, unheated, dry, dark, and you basically just put them into dormancy for the winter. You don't water them when they're down there. Very similar uh, to when we were talking about, um, you know, hibiscus and that sort of thing or overwintering. I forget. Some, somebody wrote in. So bottom line is that that's what you want. Otherwise, you're keeping it alive as a houseplant. There's really, you know, water, sun or dark, dry. But they do, Agapanthus is a bulb, and it does need a dry, dormant period. Okay. Yep. There we are. Hey, thanks for calling, All right. Susan. Thank you very much, Susan, for calling through to the show. We look forward, of course, to having all you folks join us again next week. Of course. When we sign on at uh, 9 o'clock, and uh, the car guys are getting set to rev yep, the engine. there they are. Dave, Dave's Corner Garage. Sterilizing the studio, yep. I see. Look at that. A little cleaning. Yeah. That's <laughs> Stop <excellent>. sneezing. <laughs> um, so next week, yeah. I think we need to talk a bit about birds, because it's that time of year. We need to think about feeding the birds, setting up our bird feeders. Excellent. For that coming season. So maybe people can think about that. Anything else that folks just in the last few uh, seconds we have, (laughs) what should folks be thinking about right now regarding? Uh, Well, there's lots going on really in terms of winter preparation. Um, One of the things I did this week is I sprayed a bunch of my shrubs with a deer and rabbit repellent because I'm not too sure. I just want to make sure everything comes through the winter in great condition. So, um, yeah, we'll talk more about that next week. If people want to think about that and call in as well. Excellent. All good. All right. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Charlie. Couldn't do any of this without you, that's for sure, my Movember buddy. And thank <laughs> you, Carlos. Couldn't do it with all, all, without all the great callers either. So thanks, everybody. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.